What's going on, you guys? It's your boy Bleed. It's your boy Al Mack, and this is the MMA Post Show Live. Uh, yeah, man, we're recapping everything combat sports tonight. We just came off UFC Vegas 26. We had, uh, you know, kind of a fill-in main event there. We made the dang thing happen, but we also had a very exciting boxing event: Canelo versus uh Saunders man and it was a really good matchup a really good fight for as long as it lasted we're definitely going to talk about that too but uh let's uh introduce my man Al Mack here Al hit us with them numbers hit us with them stats on that UFC event and let us know how you did well like first thought let's uh I thought about this tonight um uh, you know I we had a, I had another good night tonight and I feel like uh, I noticed something I feel like me and you used to have a show on another channel, and I feel like since we've moved to your channel, I can't remember UFC night. I think it's been five weeks now. I can't remember a night that we we both lost. We've been in plus money since coming to your channel from uh, from the old uh, platform. So basically, I've had a winning night every week since getting fired. So uh, I'm, de <laughs> I'm definitely, I'm definitely down with that. And uh, no yeah, well, Tonight lucky you, Al, because guess what? Your boy bleed. <laughs> nope, uh, the streak comes to an end, man. I was on fire. I've been oh. killing these cards as of late. But tonight, I mean, don't get me wrong. I didn't get absolutely washed or anything. And you know, your boy did have Canelo by KO, which helped a little bit on the night. But when we're looking at UFC as a whole, no, man, I came out down tonight. I actually lost some money, which it's been a very, very long time. I mean, we're talking like a unit ish. So, you know, if you got to take an L, hopefully you minimize it. I won plenty of bets, but you know what? I lost plenty too. So we're gonna get into that though. Um, Al, should we get into this, get into this first fight on the main card? Yeah, this is one I didn't really uh prepare for so apart from you know usually i give the trends for each fighter but this one uh this was a great fight but yeah let's get into it this is one that uh, you know kind of sprung up on us uh well it was just you know this morning right uh Dawkins and phil haas and yeah pretty good fight what did you think of it yeah man i did think it was a good fight i'll tell you what though man i think uh we learned a lot first off i had money on Dawkins, so i'm not exactly thrilled with the outcome Sweet. right um, and don't get me wrong, Dawkins had some success early. He hurt Hawes bad, and I thought was on the verge of stopping him, you know, hit him with some really hard shots, had him absolutely wobbled. Here's what's so crazy about this fight, Al. From everything we had, all the data, all the tape we ever could watch, the, the way this fight was supposed to play out, Phil Hawes was supposed to come in hot and fade as the fight progressed, and Dawkins was supposed to be the guy that picked up steam, found more success as this fight yeah. went on. Not the case at all. It's the other way around. Yep. Dawkins is the one slowing down. Dawkins is the one fading as the fight goes on. Phil Hawes, improved cardio. You know, I almost, uh, earlier this week, I said, we learned in the last Phil Hawes fight, this guy's not a first-rounder bust fighter. He used to be, okay? We did see him still fade very hard in that third round of his last fight. Man, the guy's gone out there and yet again added another gear, another another level to that gas tank. And, you know, I, I, I tweeted out later, Phil Haas is a legit problem now, okay? Yeah. This guy's dangerous. He's got good wrestling, and he can go a full 
heavy three rounds. So Phil Hawes is a slight underdog, which my goodness, Al, the dogs were a hitting tonight uh, in a lot of big ways. Honestly, this whole weekend from PFL Thursday to Bellator Friday to Saturday night, man, the dogs blew it up this weekend. Um, but yeah, Phil Hawes, he, he absolutely takes over, wins a dominating third round. Uh, a little bit disappointed in Dawkins, man. I got to be honest. I expected more from him. Um, I felt like this was a bad Dawkins performance combined with a good Phil Hawes performance. Phil Hawes wins this one uh, nice and clean. What would you think, Al? Yeah, man, I was with you. I had Dawkins too. Uh, I did have I did have the uh, fight goes the distance, though, which cashed at like something crazy, like plus 180 or something. Um, yeah, like Dawkins was having a good fight in the first round, but you could just see him fading as the fight went on. His arms just dropped lower and lower. You know, he's having a hard time keeps his, keeping his hands up, which is pretty, you know, not a good thing, not something you want to do against a guy like uh, like Phil Hawes. Um, and then, yeah, uh, Phil Hawes, he's, yeah, he's super good. Like, he's got... Um, what is it? Who is the fighter that he reminded me of tonight? He's got a little Kevin Randleman in him with that Ooh. blonde with that blonde hair. I mean, not really the way that he fights, but just with that that blonde hair. Uh, it, it was uh, it, it was a good look. Um, there was something else I was going to say about this fight. Yeah, exactly. Dawkins was just Dawkins just said, you know, he's a he, he's got no gas tank. Uh, you know, he's, he's going to fade later in the fight, blah, blah, blah. And like you just said, yeah, the exact opposite happened. It was him who faded. And then, yeah, I got to say like his, uh, his body language, his body language is just terrible. Like he just does not look like he wants to be in there. As soon as the fight starts to tilt the other way, he just, you know, he just doesn't look like he wants to be fighting. And this was just, uh, I'm, I'm happy that I had fight goes the distance. Yes. Because if I didn't, I, this would have been an excruciating fight to watch because, uh, apart from some good moments in the first round, he just looked terrible. And, uh, yeah, he said all the right things that he's, he said he wants, <laughs> he wants Izzy. He's working his career towards Izzy Phil Haas said, which, uh, you know, I give him credit for, uh, taking his shot. But he's got a long way to go before that. I don't. Who knows if Izzy will even be the <laughs> even be the champion by the time he gets up there. But I, he does. He definitely deserves a step up. And as far as Dawkins goes, I don't know. Maybe the weight cut is hurting him because, like, he just didn't look. He didn't look like he wanted to be there. Yeah, I think a lot of it was Phil Hawes landed some really hard body shots, and I think it really zapped the uh, the gas tank of Dawkins because, man, it's just like. There's had to be something there, man, because Dawkins just was not there at all in the third round, and Phil Haas is coming on strong. So, uh, yeah, what do you think, Al? Do you have anything to add, or should we move on to this next fight? No, let's move on to uh, this was this was the main oh. event for me. Oh yeah, and you know your boy. Hey, listen, Gregor Gillespie, the guy took a lot of disrespect this week, man. I was very surprised. I thought a lot of my cohorts, right, a lot of a lot of cappers out there. We're going to be on Gregor Gillespie because I figured they'd see what I saw. But that was not the case, man. Carlos Diego Fajeda was a very, like, strong dog play this week. I saw a lot of people whose opinion I respected very high on this guy. And don't get me wrong. He did have a good performance. And first off, let's just touch on the fact, for as long as this fight lasted, for my money, Al, 
This might have been the greatest grappling display we've ever seen from two guys in the octagon. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> okay. People who don't like grappling, I'm sure were even on the edge of their seat. This was reversal after position after it was just a real thing of beauty. Ultra high level wrestling versus ultra high level jujitsu. And my man Gregor Gillespie, the motor, the cardio, the gas tank, he says it himself. He is the most conditioned fighter in the UFC. Uh, Habib's gone. The guy might be the best pure wrestler in the UFC. Gregor Gillespie goes out here and cooks CDF. I mean, it was good early. Carlos Diego Fajera probably wins the first round, right? Lands some really good shots. Does a great job defending about 10 takedown attempts from Gregor. Gregor just doesn't quit. Eventually wears him down. I mean, fought tooth and nail. Looked tired. Overcame it. Man, it's that wrestling cardio. It's that wrestling mindset. Yeah, I am tired. But you know what? Suck it up and overcome. Eventually finds himself in dominant position. Rains down the blows. Gregor Gillespie, I had a bet on him. He absolutely cashes. Uh, felt great about it, man. Here's one that, that Al, for real, I thought Gregor Gillespie was decent value at minus 185, where this was <laughs> earlier in the week. This dude got all the way down to like minus 135 on some books. And that's where it just goes to say, man, money flowed in on Carlos Diego Fajeda this week. Gregor Gillespie, this guy's on another level. One thing I gotta talk about because we gotta talk about it, and I'm gonna I'm not even gonna theorize, man. I'm just gonna throw it out there. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna fire some shots right now. That was a calculated weight miss by Carlos Diego Fajeda. He missed his five pounds. I talk about it all the time. We see guys miss weight by five pounds going up against a guy with a Russell heavy game plan. Why? They don't want to be as depleted. They don't want to deplete the gas tank. And they want to come in as heavy as possible to defend a takedown. I mean, CDF is a big lightweight, okay? Gregor Gillespie is not, okay? CDF absolutely had a size advantage there, a weight advantage. But what he did not have was a heart advantage. Yeah. Gregor Gillespie, man, uh, an absolutely inspiring performance. Uh, the next time you're at the gym, you're trying to get in that last rep. You're, you're trying to crank out that last mile on the treadmill. You think about Gregor Gillespie and tell me you aren't inspired to finish and win. He's got the heart of a champion, the heart of a lion, the heart of a contender. Gregor Gillespie cashes. Al, what do you got on this one? Yeah, I had I had Gillespie, and I also had uh, the under, uh, which cashed uh, at a pretty decent, uh, pretty decent price, plus one sixty. And I just thought, you know, my bet was, you know, I'm gonna bet the gonna bet the favorite. But basically, the path to victory that I, I that I saw for Diego was for him to he would have to have knocked him out. Like, uh, and then especially, um, especially with him missing weight, I even thought it even more. And yeah, you said it pretty good. Like this line opened, the line opened at minus one ninety back in April, and the best odds at closing um, minus one forty four. So there was so much value. I got I got in on him at minus 150 and was kicking myself that I didn't wait a little bit more because uh you know I I love uh I love CDF. Uh this is such a weird fight because it looked like we saw the worst out of both of these fighters at different points in this fight like uh you know let, let's talk about how 
you know, Gillespie was getting dominated kind of like, and he was so fatigued at the end of this, at the end of the first round, the doctor like came in and checked on him because he was like a little bit wobbled right. the, in, in between rounds. Uh, and I thought like, God, this is not going good at all. And, uh, but the heart, the heart on this guy, man, like unbelievable. And uh, to come back like that. And I just thought, Diego, that was, I, I don't know if that's a, you call that a quit job, but that was, he just folded. Like he just, there was no fight left in him. Like, I feel like he could have, he could have did something. He just didn't want to be in there at that point. He was so fatigued. Uh, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what, where his career path goes after this. He didn't, he didn't look that good. And uh, I think this is like the third time that he's missed weight over the past like four years and I thought he looked a little bit slow, like as far as the striking goes, if you compared to the Dariush fight. Uh, you know, I, I guess it makes sense. He's 36 years old. I, he's coming off. Uh, yeah, like you said, he's not. He's he's having difficulty cutting weight. I guess. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's disappointing because, like I said last week, this guy was like one of the. You know, he was on his trajectory was in the top five of the lightweight right. division. And I think it was basically a combination of an injury, having fights canceled, the pandemic, getting COVID, and then uh, I think he was he was supposed to fight Drew Dober, and that fight ended up getting uh, getting canceled. And then he fought Benil Dariush again, lost that fight, and then misses weight. Like I, he's probably going to get cut. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's. Oof. Yeah, man, I don't know about that. I mean, honestly, the dude is ultra. Listen, I'm still high on both guys. I'm I'm very high on Gregor Gillespie, and I'm still high on Carlos Diego Fajeda. But like you said, 36 years old, fighting at lightweight, the clock is ticking, and there is not a lot of time left. So yeah, um, does he? Sorry, ahead, does he have? Is he? Does he have the frame to move up to 170? I mean, he probably could. I think we probably have smaller welterweights. Um, Honestly, Al, I don't really think the guy – listen, he did look bad at weigh-ins. I don't know if that was an act job or what, but um, I guess maybe let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Al, maybe you're right, man. The older you get, the harder it is to cut the weight. Maybe he does need to move up. Um, I will say this, though, man. The guy looked good for as long as it lasted. You know, he just got cooked by Gregor, and that's yeah. what Gregor does. He knows yeah. you're not going to be able to hang with that pace, uh, and he's going to keep going regardless of how tired he is. So. Um, yeah, yeah I, I don't know what's next for Carlos, but I know what's next for Gregor and it's going to be somebody very high level. I mean, um, coming, you know, this was a big, big win, you know, and, and we do need to say props to Gregor Gillespie, you know, had a fight get canceled against Brad Riddell, a uh, fight that I favored him quite a bit in that matchup. You know, this was a tougher matchup. He took as a replacement fight guy misses weight and he still says, yeah, I'm taking the fight. I've been yeah. off too long. Uh, we really need to give this guy his props to go, to go in there under such a specific scenario. And, uh, you know, a close fight, dominant, super entertaining performance, and then uh, yeah. ends up capping it off with a dominant finish, right? So Gregor Gillespie is going to get somebody good. Another guy that's not terribly young, you know, a guy that kind of got to the game late. Uh, yeah. Gregor needs to really step on the gas, especially after missing out a whole year of his prime. So let's get Gregor Gillespie, somebody, somebody with some name value and uh, see what this guy can really do. And I got to be honest, 
I think uh, with this game plan, man, as far as I'm concerned, for my money, man, a wrestle heavy, a guy with a wrestle heavy game plan that's as good as he is in transitions with an engine that won't stop. Sounds like a money train to me. You know what I'm saying, Al? Yeah. And um, yeah, he's won seven of his eight fights by way of stoppage in the UFC. Incredible. Seven and one for plus 9.4 units on the inside the distance prop. Uh, and, you know, at some points in this fight, it didn't look it didn't look good at all. And he cashed tonight at plus 375 inside the distance. Uh, I got a matchup, and this might be uh, – I might be getting a little bit ahead of myself. Uh, Islam Makachev. Choo! Sheesh! Yeah, man. Um, I, I, listen, I like it from a wrestling standpoint, and holy crap, Al. That's a damn good fight. Like, ah. Uh, I'm so high on Islam Makachev though. Like, yeah. oh my goodness. Um oof. Man, I, I, I like I like the thought, but I'm a fan of both guys. I, I don't want to see somebody have to take that L. You know what I mean? So, but it is an intriguing matchup, Al, for sure. Yeah, I would say either that or like I don't know, like maybe give him, I don't think Kevin Lee would want to do that, but give him a rematch of Kevin Lee. Because mm. like he's got to fight somebody, I would say. I I would say somebody in the top ten, no matter right, what, somebody right ahead that, of him. Yeah, yeah, right in that somebody, range. You know, yeah. here might be this might be a good one. How about the loser of Dariush Ferguson, which is another thing I want to bring up. Oh yeah, we we learned quite a bit about the wrestling and grappling ability of Benil Dariush in this matchup. Okay, yeah. Benil had a much easier time staying on top of Carlos Diego Fajeda, then Gregor Gillespie, a four-time All-American NCAA national champion wrestler. Uh, I'll be honest, man, that adds some weight for me, thinking of how these jiu-jitsu and wrestling exchanges are going to play out against Tony Ferguson. So um, I think we learned a tremendous amount in this fight, so much so it's bleeding into other fights. Man, um, and we're we, we've talked about that matchup, right? We got it coming up this week. It's incredible. I cannot believe we've got UFC uh, another pay per view already this this weekend, a week from tonight. I'm ready to be. Let's let's get this recap done. I, I'm ready to yeah. look forward to. I'm ready to look forward to next week. You know what I mean? Speaking of which, should we uh, move on to this next fight here? Yeah. Speaking of something that we don't even want to talk about, let's take as little time to oh, talk boy. about this next fight. Isn't that the truth? <laughs> Marcos Rogerio de Lima goes out here. Listen, I got to give him all the props in the world. There was a very clear cut path to victory to beat Maurice Green. And it's not what Marcos Rogerio de Lima is even known for doing. But he comes out here, takes down Maurice Green one time per round, and then lays on top of the guy, just holds him in guard and cruises to the most clear cut victory. Al, this is okay. First off, we were down to nine fights. We had nine fights tonight on the card. I literally had some form of action on eight of the nine. This is the only fight I sat out. And Al, it feels like an L having not taken Marcos Rogerio de Lima. I, I'll, I'll, I'll say this, though. I thought Maurice Green might have a good shot at finishing this fight late. Marcos Rogerio de Lima, pretty much known for kind of being a, a one-round guy. He's going to go out there, throw heavy bombs, gas out, and if he doesn't knock you out early, gets finished, right? Had somebody told me, had I could have had like an ear to the, to the camp of Marcos Rogerio de Lima, and the game plan was to go out there and fight crazy intelligently 
albeit crazy boring against Maurice Green. This was a home run for anyone who bet Marcos Rogerio de Lima. Not for a quest, not for a second was he ever in trouble. Just holds position, cruises to the most boring decision we've ever seen in a heavyweight fight. Um, yeah, Al, what 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 do you have to say? Did you have anything on this? Well, the way that I saw this fight was it was just two two bad fighters, and which one which one is worse? And I thought <laughs> I thought that Green was worse, but the, I thought to be honest, I thought the line got a little bit a little bit ridiculous because you know I saw some steam coming in on on Delima so I actually did have the tiniest tiniest bet on Maurice Green oh which, which oh, is well. just it's an, it's absolutely embarrassing I would be so <laughs> I would be so embarrassed to say that if I didn't have a winning night tonight sure but uh right away I don't think you were alone I think some I think some people had some money on green like and thought they were pretty slick but it just did it just it just didn't play out that way at all Right away, it looked like Maurice Green was way out class, and you knew that this was going to end badly for him. Like uh, he did a good job of stalling the fight, you know, uh, keeping the fight off the feet, where he was just clearly, if it stayed on the feet long enough, he was going to get knocked out. Uh, and but it was interesting. I thought Delima, Delima slammed him to the ground at the beginning of that second round. I thought, I thought Green was pretty rocked. I think he caught him with something big at this at the end of that first round. Uh, and I, I thought for sure, uh, I thought for sure Delima was going to end it in the second round, but then he just decided to throw him to the ground and um, it, it just got into, yeah, this was such a bad fight. This was probably the worst fight of 2021. I think I, yeah, you might, you might be onto something, dude. And I mean, we just saw Cindy Dan last night. So, uh, that's really saying something. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Al, I mean, it was like, I think the under was a popular play. I think Maurice green was a fairly popular play. Um, yeah, man. I will listen. I, tonight was just, I think generally a rough night for the public. I mean, I'm thinking, Al, you said you made some money. Yeah. You might be about the only guy that, uh, came out with some profit tonight. Cause uh, you know, the people that I am aware of, you know, it, I just think a lot of people really took a shellacking. So, um, yeah, really wish I would have had Marcos in this one. What, what were you getting at, Al? Uh, I was getting at um, Herb Dean. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I what did he do? He, he punched him. He punched Green in between rounds. Yeah. And, and then uh, uh, Herb Dean, he's, he's so he's just so bad. He says to he says to Delima, uh, next time it won't be just a point. And it's like, what are you talking about? That's not how it works. That's not how the rules are. Like, is that a warning? Are you going to give him a warning? Like, it doesn't. That's not how you give somebody a warning. Like, you have to formally give them a warning. Like, does he even know? Like the stern dad warning. Like, ah. Not even the. It wasn't even a warning. He never even said. He said, I'm not going to tell you again. He never yeah, actually he, he never he acted like he's like, listen, I'm not even going to do nothing. But if you do that again, it's a DQ. Like, that's what he was basically getting at, I think. But it was in between rounds. So how was he going to do it again? <laughs> it, it, it was in between the second and third round. How was he going to do it again? The fight would be over. You know right. what I mean? It was just like uh, he yeah. just Herb Dean just loves the spotlight. I don't know what it is. He just uh, it was that was so cringe, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> Be a professional. Like uh, this was such a this hell would be having to watch this fight repeatedly for all eternity because you throw in the Herb Dean thing, 
And then this fight, it was just two one guy laying on top of another guy. And yeah, it was just so bad. Why yeah. was this fight on the main card? I Man, don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> what what did we learn? What did we take away? Maurice Green's terrible. Oh, and yeah. That might be the last we see of him, I think. That was a terrible performance. This guy on his back has just nothing. Let's definitely move on to a fight that was definitely better. Oh, Al. I got to get into it on this one. Neil Magny by unanimous decision win beats Jeff Neal. Now, Al, I got to get into something here from a gambling standpoint, okay? Earlier in the night, Ludovic Klein loses to Mike Trezano, okay? Now, I thought Ludovic Klein won 29-28, okay? I checked MMA decisions. Turns out, yeah, most people did. I think three media members gave it to uh, Trezano, and about 13 gave it to Klein. So was it a close fight? I mean, yeah, kind of. Did I still think it was a clear-cut Klein win? I did, but you know what? The judges didn't. And you know what Klein was, Al? He was the first leg of the most of the winningest bet in combat sports, bleeds parlay of the week. And I said, you know what? They took that Klein first leg. This is not going to bode well for leg two. Who was that leg two? Jeff Neal. Neal Magny wins this fight. I mean, Neal Magny wins this fight. It's as simple as this. Jeff Neal lands the bigger moments, the harder shots, as anticipated, but too few and far between. Just too few and far between. Not enough output from Jeff Neal. Neal Magny, the far less significant strikes, but the numbers game. He's putting them out there. You know, he's even incorporating some grappling, some takedowns. Uh, doesn't really have too much success, but Neal Magny clearly won this fight. He just outpointed Jeff Neal, and if you let Neal Magny do that, that's what he's going to do. He uses his range well. He uses his wrestling well. This was a good performance by Neil Magny. I'll tell you what it wasn't, though. A good performance by Jeff Neal. Man, Jeff Neal just appears to have lost something. A guy coming back from a really serious infection, right, where oh, yeah. you know his body was depleted. I brought it up as a main point in the Wonder Boy matchup where it felt like I was one of the only guys taking Wonder Boy. Uh, Wonder Boy wins that fight, right? Clear-cut clear win for Wonder Boy. I felt like Jeff Neal was going to have the time and was coming back and probably feeling good. Jeff Neal says after this fight, I got to take some time off from this. Thing. My body's not right. And I could see it. I could see it. Jeff Neal, it's like the power's still there. What's crazy is to the eye, you look at this dude physically and you say to yourself, ain't nothing wrong with this guy. I mean, the dude is absolutely jacked, yoked, still hits hard. But something is different, man. There's something not quite right with Jeff Neal. I think that's a good move for him to uh, take some time off here. And Neil Magny as an underdog cashes. Um, I, I, like I said, I had Jeff Neal as leg two of a parlay. It was already dead. I will say this. I enjoy when I lose the first leg of a parlay, I'm glad to lose that second leg. I don't yeah. have to be mad at Ludovic Klein now for not doing enough because you know who else didn't do enough? Jeff Neal. So he's getting to take some blame. But you know what? I love to take an L on an already dead bet. If I'm going to take L's, and they're going to come, right? If we, you, if you bet enough, you're going to lose, right? Do I accept it? No. Am I happy? No. But am I glad to take an L on an already dead bet? You bet you, man. Let's get it out of the way on a freebie. That's how I look at it. Uh, Neil Magny, and under, another underdog, comes through. Uh, Al, what would you have on this one? I had Magny, and this is probably this probably ended up – this probably ended up saving my night. Um, honestly, I was a little bit distracted uh, 
during this fight and I, I didn't see, I saw the first round and I got a little bit distracted with just something on Twitter and uh, I was just gazing over and I felt like every time I gazed over Jeff Neal, like you said, was getting the better shots. Um, so me personally, when they announced the decision, I was like, what? <laughs> like, and then I messaged you and I was like, was that, was that a bad decision? You're like, no, that, that was legit. And uh, yeah, I, I wish I had more to say about it, but yeah, Jeff Neal, there's something definitely like internally wrong with him. Do you remember like during the, the wonder boy fight where he was like burping in the fight? Like he was like belching like heavily, like in like the fourth and fifth round when him and wonder boy were going at it. Like he definitely has something he's got yeah. some type of, I don't know what it is, but he's got something, but uh, Neil Magny cashed at like plus plus one sixty five. Uh, what was he by decision? Plus two sixty, and this Damn. is a, this is a crazy one. So he's won twelve of his twenty five fights in the UFC by way of decision. If you have bet a hundred dollars on Magny by decision since he debuted in the UFC, you're up two thousand one hundred and fifty dollars after tonight. So this guy's just a decision mach machine, and uh, this to me was more of a value bet, like it. The way that I handicapped it was I thought that something would have to go wrong pretty much for Magny to win. And I don't know if anything necessarily went wrong. Like he was able to withstand the shots. And <clears throat> they talked about it during the broadcast that Magny said that he didn't feel the same against uh, Chiesa. And that I think that's why we were that's why the market saw a lot of value on Magny because he was coming off that bad performance. Uh, I, I guess not really bad, but he got he got swept right. Really lost, yeah, yeah, 50, 50 45. So uh, for me, this is just a value play where I was like Neil, you know, Neil Magny is a veteran fighter, right? And he's facing off against a guy who's got seven seven fights in the UFC, six. Is it six in the UFC and one in contender series? So I just thought this is, you know, Jeff Neal probably wins, but it, the way that the odds were, I I just couldn't. Uh, the way that I bet, I just couldn't not bet uh, bet Magny. And then one thing, just to go back to what you were talking about, the Ludovic Klein decision, that was I didn't that didn't make much sense to me. I thought Klein there was a thirty twenty seven. That's, that's an amazing, yeah, dude. That, that's a travesty. Yeah. That's a that's a licensor. That's that's getting your your judging card pulled on that. That's just absolutely. Listen, Al. When I heard the thirty twenty seven, I go, oh wow, they because it was twenty nine twenty eight on the other two scorecards, right? When I heard the thirty twenty seven, I said, oh wow, they're definitely going. I didn't have to think about it. If there was anyone who who had a thirty twenty seven, which in my mind wasn't possible for either guy. But I was pretty sure I had Klein twenty nine twenty eight. I thought for sure it's going Ludovic Klein. Uh, yeah, man. I, that's Al. We've had some real pathetic scorecards as of late, uh, and that's just one of them right there, dude. That's just infuriating. It just can't be. Um, I'd love to see an explanation, but what what are we gonna do? What can we do? There's literally no repercussions for these judges. They get to choose a number. They get to write it down and. Uh, that that's it. We just have to live with it. So um, I don't know, Al. Uh, congrats on being on the right side, man. That was absolutely a good play, Neil Magny. Um, uh, you know, Neil Magny did suffer because Al, you're talking about how you only saw the early, like the you know bits and pieces. Jeff Neil had moments. 
right? Oh yeah, and for sure. They were impactful, you know. He hurt uh he hurt Magny to the eye early. Magny was dealing with like some eye swelling after that first round. If Neil really could have stayed on him, it maybe he could have affected it. I'll tell you what though, Magny's cornerman did a really good job. They really controlled that swelling with the quickness, and it was very important. They absolutely played a good part of this fight. And uh Neil Magny weathers the storm, sure enough, starts to peel away. Again, the dude's just a numbers guy. It's He's not never going to knock somebody clean out. You, you know, he's going to just overwhelm you with volume. And that's what he did tonight. So hats off to the Magni betters. Uh, should we move on here, Al? Yeah, I was just going to say one more thing before we uh, move sure. on. Uh, Magni, I feel like he's like the type of guy that uh, he's, he's content with just being one of those middle of the pack. I'll fight, you know, I mean, I'll fight the guys that you give me. I'll fight the the older guys that are trying to, you know, make a name. I'll try I'll fight the younger guys who are trying to make a name. Like it's it's tough to like say yeah. that somebody somebody is content with being a gatekeeper, uh, but I well, feel Al, like you, you just sparked something in my mind that I absolutely have to bring up before we move on. My man Neil Magny did go out there and and after the fight you, you know what Smokey called for? Oh, yeah. He, he called for that Chimaev smoke. And I got to tell you something, folks. Based off what we saw against Michael Chiesa, that is not the move for Neil Magny. Uh, COVID or not, coughing up blood into the sink or not, Chimaev with his style, oof, that might be a rough one for Magny. Let's hope. This is what I'm hoping and praying. I'm hoping – People want to fade my man Chimaev off the COVID, and they want to get hyped off of this really good Neil Magny performance against Jeff Neal. Yeah. But styles make fights. And unless Chimaev goes out there and fights like a complete dumbass and keeps us on the feet, I mean, don't get me wrong, the guy did one punch KO Gerald Mearshart. Uh, this matchup, first off, I just got to see it. I think it's the perfect step up for Chimaev to find out if he's the real deal. Yeah. And if Neil Magny can beat this dude, Sky's the limit, you know what I mean, Al? Do you want to touch on that? Uh, that's you know that's the that's the fight. Like I feel like they're gonna with all of these fights that they've they've mentioned with uh, Shemayev getting that's that that fight will happen. I that fight will happen. I'm sure that's the fight they'll make. So uh, I wonder what the line will be on that. That'll be interesting to see. I could see Shemayev being like a pick'em favorite. What do you think? I really, man, I, it's it's so tough to judge, Al, because it's like the dude had a lot of hype, but he's obviously gone through a lot, you know, the fake retirement, the recovery, the rehab. Um, how much hype is Neil Magny going to pick up off of a Jeff Neal win? Yeah. Yeah, true. dude. I mean, listen, it, we had numbers on this fight out at one point. I think we did. And as it stands right now, yeah, I think it's probably fairly close. I think, it, I think it would open up fairly close, but I really don't know, man. And I'll tell you right now, though, the market would absolutely uh, correct it very quickly. Yeah. But I, I would have to imagine, yeah, personally, I'm going to line it. Chimaev, I think he's got value up to like even a minus 175, 185. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if he was sitting more around where they open this up, maybe like a minus 135, minus 140. So. Yeah. Yeah, I would think that Chemayev would win probably seven out of ten times. For me, it's so. just a stylistic matchup. We saw Magni struggles with a wrestling dominant style, and the Chechen Wolf is, from what we can tell thus far, and is very early, not a lot of fights career. 
this dude's wrestling is dominant. So um, let's book it. I need that fight. And guess what? Chimaev's calling for it on Twitter. Magny's calling for it after the fight. Sean Shelby, McMahon's job's done here. Fax out the contracts and let's get this signed and get it booked. Magny took virtually no damage. Uh, hopefully if the eye is okay, it looks like Chimaev's ready to rock. I need this fight. Let's get it. Let's get this going in July. You know what I mean? Let's throw it on the pay-per-view. No, I would say that realistically, UFC 265, the Blahovitz uh, Teixeira card, I think September would be the most realistic time. You might Just absolutely be, be right. I'll, listen, I'll, I'll take it whenever I can get it. Because that'll probably go in Fight Island. I think that uh, that's September card. So really, maybe, okay. I think yeah. So Fight Island, that uh, whatever that Ehad Arena for Chimaev, they'll that'll be that's a huge draw. So uh, I think that'll be the. I think I, I don't know, but I think that's that. If I'm going to predict, I say 265 in uh, on Fight Island. Uh, yeah, let's talk about this next one because this next one was. Also very uh, lucrative for me. Oh, man. The co-main event, Alex Morono just run. I mean, you know what? I guess it was competitive early on. But at 4 minutes, 40 seconds of round number one, Alex Morono blows through the 38-year-old shell of his former self, Cowboy Cerrone. You know, this one really gets me right. How did I come out betting on Cowboy Cerrone? Let's go over it, okay? I felt like Cowboy, number one, he looked very good against Nico Price in his last fight. I really thought Nico Price was going to blow through Cowboy Cerrone, much like what Alex Morono did tonight. Now, Cowboy Cerrone gets booked against Diego Sanchez, a fight that he's a massive favorite, a fight he should absolutely win. We can't even go there tonight, Al. I got so much to say about Diego Sanchez. <laughs> And Joshua Fabian, okay. Uh, I, I can't even. I can't. We can't even open that can of worms. Nonetheless, Diego gets cut. They bring in Alex Morono. Alex Morono on a week's notice. Now, we've seen a trend in the UFC, man. Guys taking fights on a week, less than a week's notice. It's not been good. They have not been winning. Cowboy had a full training camp. He had an opponent picked. He knew he was fighting tonight. Alex Morono a week ago did not. Uh, you know, I got to shout out my man Bryce Cunningham, who left a comment on my channel in the last day or two. He goes, uh, man, Alex Morono, round one prop, plus 800. What do you think? I go, well, if you're taking Morono, that's the move, right? Uh, if Morono's going to win this fight, he's going to come in here like an absolute madman, an absolute savage, and go berserker mode like he does, and he's going to take Cowboy out round one, because if he doesn't, I do see Cowboy, the notoriously slow starter, eventually finding his groove, finding his distance, finding his timing, and probably taking over as the fight goes on. Sure enough, Morono comes in, goes berserker mode, hits Cowboy early, hits Cowboy often, hurts him, puts him up against the cage. Cowboy shells up like Cowboy does. The fight gets waved off 20 seconds. The big plus 800 prop cashes. But I was on the Cowboy side, and uh, man, I mean, don't get me wrong, right? Hindsight's twenty twenty. I was expecting a much better Cowboy than what we got tonight. Props to the Morono backers. Another underdog comes through. Um, that, that that had to be my worst bet of the night by a long shot. 
to trust Cowboy Cerrone at this point in his career. Total blunder. I deserve all criticisms for backing a guy like Cowboy Cerrone against a younger guy. Again, like I said, Alex Morono, he had some obstacles. He had some statistical things that he really needed to overcome to get it done. Cowboy's done. He's faded. He's a shell. He's a phony. He's a fraud at this point. I'm sorry. Cowboy Cerrone, it's done. If that wasn't his last fight, his next one absolutely will be. Um, Al, you had Morono. Let's let's hear about it. <laughs> well, it, it was just it was one of those things where it was just my gut. And uh I felt like the thing was the under, the under two and a half was plus one sixty. And I was like, Good I was like, I, I was I was just like, there's no way that this fight is going to go the distance because Morono's only path to victory is going to just to come out flying, right? And I felt like with the level of striking that Cerrone has, if it gets to the later rounds with Morono is, uh, you know, if he's fatigued and if he's, you know, letting himself out there a little bit, uh, you know, he's he's throwing those punches and he's just leaving his chin out there. I thought he might catch a kick or something. So the under the under two and a half was just an easy an easy play. But for me with Morono, it just came down to uh, I think he's the hungrier fighter. And they were setting this up, I believe, that for both fighters to retire with Cowboy Diego, that there was going to be both of their last fights. And uh, I think that that changed now because of the fighter, uh, you know, because of the, the change in opponent. So this was just a home run spot for me because one of the, one of the main rules for me in MMA is if you ever hear a, a fighter talking about retiring, Unless they have a belt, you gotta fade them because you know that it's just like, uh, you know, that the training camp and like even like I, I saw pictures on like Instagram of Cowboy like what was it like ten days ago he was in like a, a rally car race because uh, that's what he does on the <laughs> side down it. So I was just like, this guy's not training. He's gonna be taking Morono uh, lightly for Morono, you know. He lost a, a pretty decent fight against Pettis, where like Pettis, yeah, he Pettis won, but I mean Morono showed that he can hang with a guy like Anthony Pettis. And uh yeah, it was Morono just came out guns blazing, and the cowboy was really smart by grappling him and, and uh to counter his, you know, to, to kind of slow him down and not to get into those exchanges with him. I thought that was like a super savvy veteran move by him off the top but then there was this one point in the fight where morono just threw him to the ground and you could tell morono was just like i can outpower this guy and then from that moment on you know god bless alex morono he has like limited skill on the ground but um he he let him get up and you saw morono start to gain confidence and uh to be honest i don't know why he was the underdog i understand the the late, uh, the, you know, coming in on short notice, but I feel like there's a certain type of fighter that is almost always, that's their career. Like they're almost always ready to come in on short notice. Like that's that they're not that, that type of fighter that they can get in there with a, you know, with a fight to make money. They need to, they need to have a, a fight pull out for them to get this type of opportunity. And it's pretty interesting how, you know, an unranked fighter 
ends up getting this last minute fight on a co-made event uh, on uh, ESPN. That's pretty interesting. But yeah, short notice factor. I didn't care. Uh, well, I don't know why he was such an underdog against a 4 and one 38 year old Donald Cerrone. I was on the other side. I think, yeah, you said it. You, um, Cerrone's days in the UFC should be behind him, but I don't think they will be. I think he's going to pick out one more guy that he wants to, you know, hang his hat on, uh, and all respect to his MMA career. But yeah, I think it's time for him to call it, uh, call it a career. He probably won't. He probably won't call it a UFC career. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's just it's it's it for him. I guess his career for me, yeah. That Nico Price fight, he should have just hang, hung it up there because that was a very good performance. But I feel like Nico Price kind of respected him too much. Morono sure. showed him no respect in this fight, zero. True. And True. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I guess Morono and Magni kind of saved my night because this one, the next fight that we get into, although I capped it right. Uh, Michelle Watterson's pretty tough, man. So, yeah, let's get into that one. Absolutely. So, the main event. Hey, I bet on this one. Marina Rodriguez gets it done. Uh, yeah, man. So, this fight this fight kind of played out of how I imagined, you know. Um, I will say this, though, man. I thought I got to give Michelle Watterson credit. Man, she ate a lot of really hard shots that have finished a lot of chicks. Like, she took more damage than a lot of women would at the hands of Marina Rodriguez. Um, I had this one 49-46 Marina, Marina Rodriguez. You know, she went out there, was just the better striker, not necessarily more technical, but, you know, I said this in my breakdown. Michelle Watterson's probably the more technical striker, the one that has, you know, the the more the, the wider array of strikes and, and the more ability to hit things from different angles. Whereas Marina Rodriguez is just kind of a, you know, a bread and butter, meat and potatoes, Muay Thai fighter. But yeah. the the impact was was the difference here. Yeah. When Marina Rodriguez hits Michelle Watterson, it's affecting her. It's accounting. It's a significant strike every time. It's it's literally lowering the, the, the power bar every time this chick touches you, which is a rare thing amongst women. And it's especially a rare thing amongst the lighter women, right? Um, and that's how this fight played out. Michelle Watterson did well, you know, had, had moments, but I said, how is Michelle Watterson going to win this fight? She's going to have to go out here and wrestle five rounds. Well, guess what? She wrestled one round and it's the one round she won. But I said to myself too, I go, since when is Michelle Watterson going to come out here and go, you know, go all American on us and wrestle 25 minutes straight, it's not going to happen. You know, yeah. I, I figured we'd get moments and sure enough, we did. And she did it for one round and she won that round. But guess what? By then, I think she was already down three rounds on the scorecards. She was going to need to get a finish or get a 10-8 round to even give us a draw. Marina Rodriguez wins the fight. I think the judges got it right. I'll be honest. I honestly almost got concerned at the end that the judges might get this one wrong. In my eyes, it was too blatant, too clear cut. Marina Rodriguez wins this fight as I expected her to. I cash a bet to cap off the night that wasn't exactly a stellar night, but feels good to uh, leave leave a, leave a card on a win rolling into the next week. Al, what did you have on this one? Well, it's it's pretty disappointing because I did have uh, Rodriguez inside the distance, so I actually lost this bet. Um, but, yeah, you, you, you took the words right off my notes where I, I wrote uh, Watterson's Watterson strikes weren't really affecting Rodriguez in the first round or first three rounds, and Rodriguez's uh, strikes were affecting Watterson 
like like significantly and you can tell she was getting rocked by rodriguez when she hit her and you know multiple times where she was falling back against the cage and rodriguez just unloading on her i thought the fight was about to be finished early in the third round there when she had her against the cage just complete like with those six six strike combinations i was really hoping for it to be a to get the early finish but uh one thing i wanted to say was props to rodriguez because i was i started to get nervous going into the fourth round because i was just like she's just gonna coast now she's up three three to oh after 50 minutes but good for her for not just coasting at the end to get the victory she was game she was trying to finish the fight and then she did she did end up uh taking a heavy i think she broke her jaw she took a heavy yeah dude something the, funky happened there didn't it yeah and uh the thing it was the calf kicks the calf kicks from waterson were uh they were they were affecting rodriguez and i gotta say man this girl like this fight was at 150 uh, 125 pounds and marina rodriguez is a 115 pounder she's got i think she should move up to uh 125 pounds like i guess she's missed weight a couple times too if memory serves me correct so probably not a bad move al and she's a she's a hard hitter like you said it best, she's not bro. really young so that's probably a pretty solid move Al. i think i like it and then like waterson is a tough girl if she hits some other 125ers with those shots like if she hit i don't know but yeah if she's like some of those some of those flyweights you know um she would drop some flyweights and i was confident I was very confident in uh, her to get the finish here, but I guess I kind of discounted how tough uh, Michelle Watterson is. I think she's got that some Hawaiian in her or something like that. So I think that's uh, it was something about whatever is in her blood because she's definitely a warrior. And I mm. think uh, any less uh, lesser woman would have been knocked out there in that fight. Uh, so props to her. And uh, yeah, I think I, it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to project what marina rodriguez does because she's kind of now like a tweener because that was a very good performance right mm -hmm. but how do you how do you gauge it when she's fighting a weight class higher than she should be so uh yeah, yeah. I, i'll say this though al i mean listen wrestling is still her kryptonite like if you come in with a wrestle heavy game plan you've got her number she is still so bad off her back her ability to get up is just borderline non-existent so i mean as good as she is on the feet there's still work to be done here because i mean you, you you have to fade her against any wrestler i mean now is there a possibility a wrestler goes in there and doesn't wrestle her yeah it's the most irritating thing in the sport and it drives me absolutely nuts well it happened but, uh, tonight it happened tonight with michelle watterson right it, I, you know what though I, that's not really who she is but she yeah. is capable of it and we saw it tonight we just didn't see enough of it, man. And, and don't get me wrong, is, is is she kicking herself? Does her coaching, her team? That's what blows me away, Al. I just don't understand. I'm a guy who makes YouTube videos. Why do I know a better game plan for your fighter than the fighter, than the than the team, than anyone around? Like that's all this should have been for Michelle Watterson is a absolute grapple fest. And instead, she went out there to prove I'm the karate hottie. I'm the better striker. No, yeah. you're not. I'm sorry. Well, no, you're not. Okay. The wrestling is how you were going to win this fight and you chose to do it one round. Well, I'm sorry. Then you deserve to lose four rounds. Okay. And that's just yeah. how it plays out. That's how this game is played. Um, you know, if, uh, to Watterson backers, you've got to be very frustrated. You know, that's how she was going to win this fight. 
she chose not to do it for 80% of the fight. And I'm sorry, that's going to be an L chalked up to Watterson. You know what, though? I think the under, the under or the fight to not go the distance was a popular play. You know, I ended up not hitting it, but even I felt like it plus money. That was not a bad look. Just turns out, man, Watterson too damn durable. Uh, and Rod- and you know, Rodriguez in her own right, very, very durable too. So um, I don't know, man. Uh, Watterson needs to get back down to 115. And uh, maybe Rodriguez puts together a good run here at 125. Let's get her in there. Listen, let's get her in there with another good striker in this weight class, right? Let's try yeah. to give her some time to shore up that wrestling because it's it's still a problem and it needs to be addressed. So uh, what do you think, Al? Should we uh, call it call it a wrap on UFC before we talk about this boxing action? One thing, I just one more thing I wanted to say about this was um, – the reason that I didn't have any, I didn't believe that Michelle Watterson was going to do that is because uh, I might be speculating here, but they moved this to the main event, right? So I feel like Michelle Watterson was like, you know, the prize fighter in here came out where she was just like, I'm going to, I'm going to entertain, you know what I mean? I'm headlining an ESPN card. I'm not going to go on there and just lay and pray. I'm going to, you know, give them a fight. And uh, I thought, I, I thought it was um, – I thought that was just a, a factor in this that, you know, if this fight was the three-round fight that uh, it was supposed to be, uh, I feel like Michelle Watterson probably would have come out and had a, a wrestling-heavy uh, game plan. But uh, I don't know. I don't know if they got a – well, they should have. I, they definitely should have. They gotten a pay bump because of them this moving up to a main a main event sure so maybe that's the type of thing too where in her head she's she's like you know this is a favor so i'm going to you know i don't know i'm just speculating but just in her mind she's she's a veteran right she's been with the ufc for how many years like seven or eight years yeah i feel like she was just going out there to put on a show kind of like like uh she wanted to showcase her striking and i feel like that the only reason that she got into a wrestling is because she was in some serious trouble you know what i mean and then uh even when she even in the last round this girl had a smile on her face right like she's so tough like she definitely loves to fight and like even you know she lost it looked like she still had a good time out there it's that it didn't look like she was devastated that she lost and then another thing that i want to say about marina rodriguez you know with flyweight flyweight she's i mean she's not gonna go and beat freaking uh shevchenko so why not you know try to try to have yourself a a decent career where you pick fights that you you know fit you stylistically because that girl's super entertaining man like she's super fun to watch yeah and i would like you know i don't know i can't think of anybody offhand but uh I would love to see her just go be in some scraps on some UFC cards and her not have to worry about, you know, going for the belt, like just go out there and go out there and throw hands. Cause that would be that. I feel like she's a super entertaining fighter. And if they just book her to fit her style, she could have a, you know, apart from going up the ranking, she could have a decent money-making career in, in the UFC. So I think that would be uh that would be smarter for her because I don't think, I don't think like like I said, if she tries to go to flyweight and tries to become a contender, like you said, someone's gonna someone's gonna use that wrestling game on her, and that'll be the end of it. But I would still like to see her throw hands with some girls in flyweight. 